If you just graduated college, if you are in a job that you are not enjoying and you want to make a change, you're at that time when you're contemplating, what should I do next? What's right for me? What are my options? A lot of people look at corporate jobs as an opportunity to make money and a way to get a lot of benefits out of a company, a lot of perks. Maybe you like having flexibility to work from home and a lot of corporate jobs let you do that. A lot of people are really curious about this stuff. I definitely was before I had my current job. I didn't come from this industry. I made a pivot. This information would have been really cool to have when I was in this exact place a year ago. I wanted to share the knowledge because it is really hard to navigate, you know, where you fit into the workforce. It feels like such a permanent decision. Even when you're young and you have like all these opportunities in front of you, it's kind of overwhelming. So you feel like, oh, if I pick one thing, then I'm glued to that for a decade. And you're really not. The way that I would think of it is asking yourself, can I do this for a year? Can I see myself doing this for a year? Will I get enough out of it to really want to show up to work every day? And if the answer is yes, it's worth at least applying and putting your name out there. It might seem intimidating if you're applying to a job and there's 200 people who just applied for it, but you never know how strong of a candidate you are until you submit your materials. At least in that sense, if there is something to improve upon, then they can give you that feedback or you can know what's working and isn't working based off of the responses that you're getting. Corporate life has a reputation of being kind of like cutthroat and heartless or intense. You know, I feel like that is the stereotype. My approach today is really just from my perspective transitioning into the private sector from the nonprofit sector. I'm really excited to share my journey and my my learnings with you. In the last year, I made the transition from being a teacher to working in corporate. I've never talked about this on this show because I often keep my job separate from my podcast and any creative work that I do. And one of my friends said that I should do an episode on corporate life and what that's like for young women like myself. I always forget that like sometimes people can relate to this stuff, sometimes they can't, sometimes you're just curious. So I'm going to share some things, some things I've learned, some really killer advice that I guess I've accumulated over the years from having I don't know how many internships and so many different jobs. I updated my resume the other day and it's funny when you're just like scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and you're like, oh my God, I cannot believe all the things I was doing years ago where I had what felt like limitless energy and now I'm like, working full time is no joke. It's not the same thing as going to school and having a lot of free time. Like, yes, you study, you have homework, true but 
no one is tracking your time your time isn't billed I work in consulting now so all my time is billed not all of it some of it um but it's different it's very different when you're on your own and when you're working in jobs that don't have such a high level of like scrutiny or surveillance and you're kind of just on your own it's different people just kind of trust you to do your job I feel like sometimes that comes from like the economic standpoint of how replaceable are you and how much value do you bring for example someone who works at like a nonprofit job or teaching something that people aren't necessarily jumping at the opportunity to do that job because they know that it comes with certain drawbacks you're not going to have necessarily this like lavish lifestyle from the amount of money that you make you have to make sacrifices in other ways and a lot of people aren't willing to do that so you're less replaceable when you're working at a big company and they're paying you more money they're investing in your training giving you a lot of perks they want to see something in return it's valid however it's an adjustment if that's not an environment that you came from i never had any internships in a corporate environment so this was super new to me. It was kind of a difficult adjustment in the beginning because the personalities are really different going from education and arts nonprofits to tech. <laughs> the opposite end of the spectrum. I work at a company that does engineering consulting projects, which basically means that other companies can hire us to do specific jobs for them. They either don't have the expertise in, don't have the bandwidth. I work on the project management and coordinating side non-technical role i'm not an engineer the projects that i work on primarily fall under aerospace engineering automation think cars factory conveyor belts think about how your candy wrappers are made those are the types of clients we have it's very different from what i was used to but i think the fact that it's so different from what i do on my own time it helps me keep a clear distinction between the two. When I'm going through something at work or I'm on like a difficult project, there's something that's stressing me out. I really don't bring it home because it has nothing to do with the other things that I'm doing besides maybe talking to one or two people about it if it's really that serious. I don't really think about it when I leave. I think about all the other obligations that I have. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for how different it is. I didn't have that separation when I was teaching. I identified with being in that position so much, measuring, trying to measure the impact that I was making on my students. It was something that I think became too much for me, where circumstances that were out of my control, decisions that were out of my control, were taking up so much of my mental energy. And you know how teaching is, I was physically very exhausted. Even if I was sleeping and exercising and eating pretty well, it still wasn't a great environment for me to be in long term. I felt confident in my decision to leave that job 
because you know not everything is for you when i was leaving i remember people wondering why would you leave the students love you this is not to toot my own horn this is literally just like conversations that i had with people and i was like oh you know what like yeah i just i got a new opportunity and i couldn't turn it down which is true every job comes with its challenges but teaching is different it still amazes me how (laughs) underpaid teachers are because it is so much more mentally and physically demanding than most jobs besides like being a nurse or a doctor working in a hospital or you know other jobs that are obviously high stakes but that's the only one i can think of right now it's not easy being responsible for so many children and them kind of looking to you to be this adult figure who has everything together anyways let me not go on and on about this corporate life I'll start by going through very quickly just a typical day in my life. Every day I wake up at 6.30, I go to a Pilates class. Usually I work from home, so after the class, I will sometimes stop and get coffee. I'll come home, do my little routine, take my vitamins, try to make breakfast, or I try to eat something at the beginning of the day. Not before my workout because it makes me nauseous because it's really early in the morning. And then I start work. I check in with my teammates. We do this thing every morning where we kind of gauge what our bandwidth is for that day and we mark it in Slack. If there's anything that people need to be aware of, if you're like, oh, I'm not going to be available after this time, you let them know. And then you get into the gist of it. Emails, meetings, updates, status stuff. Okay, who's talking to who about what? Who needs help with what? What's the most urgent? What can be pushed off for a later time? Prioritizing billable project work over things that will not directly result in profits. So billable project work, what does that mean in case you are unfamiliar? Whatever we're doing for a set amount of time for a project that we are able to bill time for. That means that if I spend 15 minutes doing a task, I am billing that 15 minutes to a client. When I first started that style of work where you're tracking all of your time was really intimidating to me. I didn't fully understand the benefits of it, Now I've kind of viewed it as a tool for getting credit for the amount of time that I'm putting into some of the bigger projects that I'm on. We have certain targets that we try to meet as far as like how many hours should you bill every week. In my reviews, when I would see my progress, it was really helpful for me to know how far am I from this goal or am I exceeding this goal? And if I wasn't tracking my time, I would never know. It would be some skewed number in my head that was either way lower or way higher so i'm grateful for that but it is another thing to have to remember signing off on all of your time for an entire week that's a lot like that's at least an hour or two that you're putting into just time entries every week it's really not for everyone but if you're willing to do it there are benefits to it okay to continue with my day if i'm going to the office i used to bike in the summer (laughs) I don't bike now, (laughs) Um, but I'll go to the office. They have coffee and snacks and stuff. So if you don't eat at home, it's not the end of the world. It's a tech company, so they have a lot of stuff. I get started on project things that I need to do. I'll have a team meeting and then lunch is catered three times a week at my office. So that's lovely. Talk to some people, get more work done. I go home. Because I work out in the mornings, I can just kind of chill. I don't have to worry about, oh, I have to make sure that I keep 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. open so that I can go do a workout. Like, no, I have that time for myself. Now I'm able to kind of see the difference between having a job that's really demanding of your time and one that's really flexible. 
And both can technically be full-time jobs, 40 hours a week, but it's different. If you have the flexibility to take on other things throughout the week because you have a lot of free time in that job, you should absolutely be taking on other things that are going to motivate you because jobs that are not very labor intensive and don't actually require you to put in 35 to 40 hours a week, slowly they will start to not motivate you because you're going to be like, okay, what am I doing with my time? So it's really up to you to figure out what you want to do with your time and to build in that discipline or to get another job, to get a second job. People tend to kind of flinch at that, like, oh, I don't want a second job. I already have a job. I'm already booked. And that's valid. If that's not for you, if you're already busy, you don't want to be stressed out, don't take a second job if you don't need to. But the option's always there. And it doesn't have to be another corporate job or another thing that's going to require you to have the same like professional face on. It can be something fun. So that's what I do. Even though my job, it's still kind of in that demanding category. I'm still working like well over 40 hours a week for that job, but I choose to have my fun job on the weekends because I enjoy it and it doesn't really take much from me. I get to make extra money. I get to be a part of the health and fitness and wellness community still. And I love that. To take it back a little bit, I will get into, you know, perks and all of that that are specific, not just like, oh yeah, it's it's great, but like let me give you some actual pieces here. Kind of want to start at the beginning. People always wonder like how do I get into this? How do I attain financial stability, career goals, getting into this industry? A lot of people will direct you to internships when you're in college. I started internships when I was in high school which was great because it built up my stamina for future internships and I knew what to expect. Something that makes people really frustrated in internships is feeling like you're not doing anything purposeful. Feeling like you're just being given grunt work. Maybe you're getting coffee for people. Maybe you're filing. Maybe you're doing stuff that's just boring and you're like, oh my God, I don't want to be here. It's hard, especially if you're not getting paid. Oh my God. Every internship I've ever had was unpaid because of the field that I was in. It sucked. It was awful because that meant that I had to have another job on top of it, which is not fun. If you're going from a job internship where you're not really adding a lot of value, you're not really doing much. It's a lot of shadowing, which just means you're there. It's hard to find the motivation to like want to get up and go to another job. Also, I want to say like that part of an internship that's like, okay, I don't feel like I'm doing anything. That's intentional internships have a limited opportunity to create value because it's a cyclical role they want people popping in and out of this role they might want to keep you if you're a good fit the point isn't to keep you an intern forever it's really just a personality test they're not measuring the quality of the work that you're doing because you're not really doing much If you're not able to handle like a very basic workload, yes, that will teach them something, but it's really a personality test. Are you a good culture fit? Now, after that, if you are in an entry-level job anywhere, it's still the grunt work of being an intern, except you're doing it full-time. That's not to say you're never adding value. Like, you are, but you're kind of like the go-to people for when those that are more senior don't have time to do something. And it's just kind of understood and accepted that that's what you sign up for when you are really early in your career. And it can be frustrating, you know, because... Nobody likes to be given grunt work. It's what it is. 
You can look at a job that has the fanciest job description, but if it's entry level, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt. You are going to be contributing to things that matter. You are going to be given opportunities to work with interesting people, very smart people, and make a difference. You will get those opportunities more than an intern would. I don't know. It's it's tough because it, it is so different. Like the type of work I was doing as an intern, it was kind of just like busy work sometimes. Now, I wouldn't describe anything that I do as busy work. It all has a purpose. It can just feel like grunt work sometimes. The stakes are relatively like medium, sometimes high. You're not one of the key decision makers or stakeholders for the company. You're just doing your job. That being said, if you have the opportunity to work for a company that's giving you benefits, that has lots of stuff going on, not everybody has that. You know, sometimes you have a full time job, it's a small team, small company. They don't have the resources to have all the bells and whistles. But if you do have access to those things, I see a lot of people who are so resistant to want to do anything with any of their coworkers or anything outside of their job. I completely respect that boundary. If that's for you, then that's for you. I think work events are a great way to get value out of your company. For example, free tickets to sports games, nice dinners, joining a sports team where your fees are paid for or heavily discounted. To put that in perspective, in the past, I've paid 130 more than that to join a team for a very short season. And that's just per person. Like for the entire team, obviously it's like quadruple that. So to have your company pay for that means that you get a consistent thing to do every week that's fun, that's with people you know. I think it's really good to take advantage of those opportunities, especially when you're in your 20s. If you you don't have a family, you're not at that stage of life yet. You're like still having fun. Your schedule is kind of just what you make of it. Sometimes you can find yourself being like, okay, I don't have anything to do. I want to do something, but everything costs money. Everything's so expensive. Or I would have to find a bunch of people who are all free the same day. And then you're like, ugh, I'll just stay home. I don't want to do it. If you go to events through your work and you like your coworkers, you get to do all of that for free. You don't have to coordinate anything. You just show up. You're fed. Everything's taken care of. You get to know the people that you work with better. I feel like there's a lot of wins. Sometimes not every event is going to be fun. I don't mean to say like you need to go to every single work event. Definitely not. But I think it's a good idea to at least not rule it out. As far as benefits, okay, (laughs) if you've made it this far in the episode, benefits, we're talking insurance, we're talking flexible spending accounts, 401ks, all the things that nobody teaches you how to do until you get your first job and you're like, I don't know what any of these acronyms mean, help. I'm here to help. So Every full-time job offer should include benefits. If you are getting a full-time job offer that does not include health insurance, that is not a strong job offer and you need to negotiate either getting that insurance or getting something that would cover the equivalent of the cost of health insurance so you can get it on your own. That's very standard. You should absolutely be getting insurance. You should absolutely be getting a 401k match. A match means that whatever you contribute to your 401k, which is your retirement savings account, that is your company matching that percentage of your paycheck to go into your retirement. That's free money. Take the free money. If they match up to 3%, contribute 3%. If they match up to 5%, get the 5%. If you want to do more than that, fantastic. Good for you. Do it. 
Don't delay opening the account. If you wait eight months to open the account, that's eight months of free money that you just missed out on. So your account will say zero when it could say a few grand. You never know. People struggle with 401ks because you don't see the money right away. You have to wait many, many years. And people are like, I want to live my life now. I want to enjoy myself. I want to use the money I make. You can. No one's saying you can't. This is such a small percentage of what you earn that in the long run, it's going to really help you. And again, free money. I digress. There's also IRAs. I don't really know a ton about IRAs, but I, I do know that they are mostly separate from your company. I feel like it's pretty rare to see a company do an IRA match. IRA stands for independent or individual retirement account. If it's a Roth, that means it can be invested. So people who really like investing and want to see their money grow, they will often have a Roth IRA. Another little acronym that I never knew before is different types of spending accounts. And no, this is not your company credit card. (laughs) Your company credit card is for work. This is for you. A flexible spending account is a place that stores money from your check, basically used for certain life things that you have to pay for, like health expenses or transit. Some places do like childcare. It's not reimbursement because it's your own money. Basically, you're contributing a certain amount each month. At first, I didn't really understand it. I didn't know how much I should be contributing. I didn't know if I would even use the account. But I thought to myself, okay, why don't I just try? They give you this thing that kind of looks like a credit card. It basically is. It's like a debit card, but for your health expenses. Let's say you go to the doctor that requires like a copay. They're like, okay, how would you like to pay today? Instead of giving them your credit card, you give them your FSA card. And you can ask them, can I pay with my FSA? And nine times out of 10, they'll be like, yes. They take the card, they swipe it. Rather than taking it out of your account that you use for everything in life, they'll take it out of your FSA. In my mind, my FSA is like free money. Oftentimes I'll just forget. I'll be like, oh man, this doctor visit was really expensive. Or, oh man, I don't, I don't really want to pay $60 for a contact solution at CVS. That's another thing. If you go to CVS or Walgreens and you're getting prescriptions or whatever else, you can use your FSA for that, which makes a huge difference. I have contacts. My contact solution is incredibly expensive and it's something that I can't get around. That's always been a pretty significant expense for me. Being able to use my FSA for that has made a big difference. That's my default now for any of my like medical stuff. There's a lot of different ones. Kind of just depends on your lifestyle and what you need. Even when it comes to choosing what type of health insurance plan you want, some people choose a plan that has a really high deductible, which means you have to spend a certain amount before you can get like the discounted rate for everything. A really high deductible is like $2,000 or $2,000 or $1,500. A really low deductible is like $500. Someone who has like a lot of doctor's visits would benefit from having an insurance plan that has a really low copay so that each visit is not costing you a ton of money. If you don't really care about that, but you want all the bells and whistles and all the added benefits, I don't really know what comes with some of the other plans that have a super high deductible. People stray away from those because it's just so hard to meet it. Like you're not, you're not going to meet it until like halfway through the year sometimes. It all depends on your lifestyle and what works for you. I think the worst thing to do is just opt out of all your benefits and ignore the really, really good ones. Another one that I see that I've had in the past is a health and wellness budget. Usually it's limited to a certain amount, but if you have a gym membership, 
use it for your gym membership. You can use it on anything, I think. Depends on where you work. But definitely, definitely use it. Don't take it for granted. Aside from benefits like that, mentorship opportunities. Sometimes this is like built into your company where they'll give you a mentor that you meet with on a regular basis. Sometimes it's kind of like networking where you have to put in the legwork yourself. Having a mentor is great. Having someone to talk to who knows your day-to-day and understands like what you're doing in your workplace is really important to have. Trying to explain what you do for work to all of your friends can be really exhausting. Having someone who works with you and you have that professional relationship of let's talk about this thing that's happening, what do you think? Another thing about mentors, some people don't really like the idea of having a mentor or being one because it feels like this extra thing that you have to do or maybe it's that you just don't think you'll benefit from it. I hear that a lot. This is what I'll say. You might not click with everyone that you meet. You might have some mentor meetings where you're like, I didn't get anything out of that. But compared to the amount of times where you'll leave being like, wow, that was great. That was so refreshing. I'm so glad I had that conversation with them. I learned so much about them that I never would have known if they weren't my mentor. They have a lot of really great advice. You're never going to have those good moments if you never put yourself out there. You never know who you're going to have a great connection with. I've been very pleasantly surprised by a lot of the people that I've had. My company, they pay for us to have mentor lunches so we can go out to eat and they basically cover the cost of the meal, which is very nice. If you are at a place or maybe if you're not even working a specific job, but you just want to have a mentor, obviously in that case, the bill is not covered. And sometimes that can be a significant expense for people. Do coffee, do something small. Hey, can we meet on Zoom to talk about this? And that way you don't have to pay for anything. You can just chat. There's a lot of ways to connect with people. Lastly, and perhaps the most interesting (laughs) thing that I have to say, no. The most helpful advice I've ever received regarding like being a woman in the workplace was this. And please excuse the gender binary that exists within this advice. Someone was talking about how women rise up a corporate ladder versus men. Or women who just like advance in their career. How does that happen? People wonder why it might take someone so much longer to get promoted or to have their work recognized. Or maybe just like why someone struggles to feel comfortable in their work environment and to feel like people respect their opinion. Kind of that general tension of like, man, I really just feel like my coworkers don't support me or I feel like I just don't belong here. A lot of women feel that way. A lot of work environments are hostile. So sometimes that's why. But sometimes it's the approach. And again, I recognize I am someone very early in my career. My perspective is so different from someone who is 40 years into their career. It's not the same. I get it. But this is something that has helped me. For women, leaning into your femininity and girly side, it really is something that will serve you so well. And I don't mean this whole clueless girl trope, not that at all. I'm talking about soft skills, being able to relate to other people, talking to them about their personal life, about their family, about their kids, caring about the things that have nothing to do with work, just in general being kind to people. 
responding with warmth rather than this stone cold energy of I don't care about anything or I don't care what this person has to say. Sometimes there's tension, there's conflict that comes up, but there are ways to control how we show up in a workspace regardless of how other people act. If someone is causing a lot of problems for you and you know, you've been really nice to them and they just continue to give you problems, that's a different situation because then that's when you need to kick into gear like setting those boundaries and being more firm. But I think what people sometimes, what women sometimes misunderstand is that they need to be that like really strong, fierce person right out of the gate when they're first meeting someone or first working with them. And maybe that's just your personality. I would consider myself a really strong personality. But that approach where like, I need people to hear me, I need them to validate my work, it stresses you out. (laughs) Like it really does cause stress in your body. So why does this matter? Why does leaning into your femininity, why does that matter? Everywhere we are in life, like there has to be balance. That's not to say that like men should never use their soft skills or that they never have to and they get to be assholes. That's not what I mean. I think everybody needs to engage both soft and hard skills. Specifically, this advice that I received is in simple terms, women cannot rise to the top easily if they try to do so in the way that a man would. And I know some people are going to hear that and be like, oh, I really disagree with that. Gender doesn't matter. And I agree that gender shouldn't matter. But a lot of these corporations are led by men and probably don't have the best implementation of DEI education and practices so you're in an environment where it's already very patriarchal you're not coming in and creating this whole new vibe where everything suddenly changes now that you're around these people the culture is already there you kind of have to figure out how do i navigate this culture how do i get what i need to get done and build a good rapport with my coworkers so that my work can get recognized so that I can feel good. Rather than having this constant tension of nobody's appreciating the work that I do, this person's not that good at their job, like just these constant frustrations that I feel like a lot of women have, especially if you feel like you're not being recognized as much as a man. Maybe they're in the same role as you, maybe you know they pawned off work to you, or maybe something happened where you feel like you're getting the short end of the stick. It's hard to know how to navigate those situations. And I'm not saying that soft skills all the time is going to help you. Sometimes like you really do need to be firm with people, but kind of gauging like, when is it necessary? We don't have to be so adamant about getting people to respect us and understand all the hard work that we put in. Let your work speak for itself. Always get your credit, always put your name on things and get your credit where credit is due for sure. If you're doing a good job and you're treating people well and you're a good teammate, trust that if you're in a good, like relatively respectful work environment, that work will get recognized. No one is out to get you. No one is threatening you. It's okay to be kind to the people around you. It's okay to lean into your femininity. Again, regarding gender. This advice applies to people who identify as femme. That's not to say that like anybody can't have soft skills. If you're someone who doesn't really feel like they fit within that male or female binary, it's often difficult to show up as your true self at all at work because there's just not enough representation and not enough understanding. It's a different level of difficulty that I think people who identify 
as women, it's a little bit easier to at least find your pocket. That's all we have for today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Vibe and Cultivate. This is a lot of stuff to continue the conversation about. I could make a lot more episodes about this if people find it intriguing. I never thought to even talk about corporate life on this show, as I said earlier. It is a part of my everyday life, so I do have a lot to say. Hope y'all are doing well. If you're applying to jobs, hang in there. You are doing great. It is so hard. You are fighting the good fight. Send out those applications. Reach out to people, even if it's exhausting and your social battery is dead. Keep doing it because you will see the reward. You will get what you're looking for. It just takes a long time. But best of luck to you. Best of luck to everybody. If you're new to corporate, if you're interested in corporate, check it out. Get more information. Do your research. You never know what could be for you until you know. That's all. Have a great day. Happy holidays, y'all.